The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast, where we are empowering indie creators and having some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella. It is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by so many, so many excellent guest hosts. We got JC. We got I'll decide Kevin. who's excellent. We got Elisa. What was that? <laughs> I'll decide who's excellent. <laughs> well, it's you, Ryan. You're excellent. No, I yes. would I would say just the opposite. My whole strategy is to be a mediocre creator that surrounds himself with awesome musicians to make himself look better. It's the Jimmy Fallon effect, basically. And <laughs> it is it's working really well for me because of the awesome I have around me to talk about how to empower indie creators. And we got all kinds of fun topics today. I'm excited to dive into all the great stuff we're gonna talk about. But before we get into that. I want to introduce who our guest is going to be later in the show. Coming up after our commercial break, we're going to be talking with the chief executive officer of the Mechanical Licensing Collective, Chris Aaron. This is a cool guest. I'm excited to have this guest on, not just because of how informative he's going to be, but because I know he's going to bring information that is going to be immediately useful to the people I am talking to co-hosting this show right now songwriters who self-administer their own works and basically this guy chris aaron from the mechanical licensing collective is just holding a bag of money like one of those cartoon bags of money with the dollar signs on it that's got your name on it and he wants to give it to you but you got to listen to him in his interview to find out how you get mechanical licenses played on streaming services that's already been earmarked for you and chris is going to tell you how to go get it in an upcoming interview I, I like bags of money with my name on there it. There he goes. That, that's what I'm saying. Because, and I'll, I'll give you a quick little uh, little preview, okay? Basically, in 2018, we passed this thing called the Music Modernization Act. Well, not we. I wasn't there. But uh, <laughs> some, some people in Congress, in between doing nothing, they did do this one thing where they passed the Music Modernization Act. And as part of it, basically, they created this nonprofit organization called the Mechanical Licensing Collective. And Spotify, iTunes, all these streaming and download services pay their songwriter mechanical royalties to this nonprofit. And that nonprofit pays you, the songwriter, but only if you're registered with them, which I am almost positive you guys are not. But don't worry, because we got the CEO of the MLC coming up in the next segment to show you how to get registered. So there you go. Yay. Um, got all, all kinds of other fun activities as well. But before we, uh, before we get to the guest... Uh, let's let's get to the activities. The first thing I want to talk to you guys about is this might be for you, Elisa, because I think of the people I'm talking to, I know for a fact that you are probably the largest TikTok consumer of of our co-hosts. Is that fair? <laughs> the drag, yeah. I, I I don't know, Jace. Jace, how prolific are you on TikTok? I consume, but I know you actually content you actually create i do produce so i'm only a consumer so i don't know i'm a very prolific consumer (laughs) jc and i are the because we're all we're all millennials here and jc and i are the most Mm. fearful of the millennials that are so afraid of getting dragged by the gen zers on this platform that we don't actually create we just consume you're actually making stuff elisa 
Well, what does that leave me? Because I don't consume or create on TikTok. That's right. The the old man telling people perfect. to get off their right. Get off my lawn. You're, get you're off my yelling at You're clouds. in my TikToks. You're in my TikToks. That's true. So I am a that. tangentially a creator. Wow. <laughs> uh, okay, so this could be a good question for JC as well. Elisa and JC, mm. when you guys are scrolling through TikToks, have you ever come across the TikTok videos of a musician by the name of Jax? J-A-X. Don't think so. Don't know. If I give you a little bit of background, we might jog your memory a little bit. So before Jax was doing stuff on TikTok, she was the third place finisher on season 14 of American Idol. So she's been around in music for a while. And did 14 of those, huh? Way more than 14, if you can believe it. (laughs) Season 14, that was what, yesterday? Well, cause I know with you, Evan, like, basically, I think after Fantasia Barino, you probably just stopped keeping track. Right? I honestly don't know who that is. I've never heard that name before. Come on. He's, he's, a big, he's a big Ruben Stuttered fan. Ruben, yes. I got. Yeah. Yes. I'm also sorry for 2004. <laughs> I think yeah. Ruben Stuttered might have been the year before Fantasia Barino. Okay. Yeah, and then okay. after Fantasia, it all it it all just becomes like a big mishmash for me. Like there's a David Archuleta in there, yes, and uh, uh, Carrie Kelly Underwood. Pickler. Oh, oh yeah, Carrie Underwood. That's <laughs> fair. But that's not funny, JC. We need obscure American Idol names to be hilarious. Oh, like Sorry, Ryan Taylor Hicks. Yes. Wow, Taylor won, didn't he? He did. He did. He did. He did. America less relevant than Jax. Continue. Okay. So. <laughs> Jax is a is a real was a you know, terrific performer on American Idol. Finished in third place, and like many of the people who compete on American Idol, didn't really get to do much after it was over. Right, had a little day in the sun, maybe put out a single that got a little bit of radio airplay, and then sort of just went off into the ether. Because American Idol wasn't built to promote artists; it was built to promote American Idol. So most of the folks who were on that show, we never heard from them again. And in Jax's case, it was a particularly tough journey for her because she had a little bit of a rough patch for the year subsequent of American Idol. She had a cancer diagnosis. She had thyroid cancer, which she was able to beat in 2016. So that was always great news. And then, um, but she's suffered uh, some financial hard times as well. Uh, she was you know, living in her one-bedroom apartment with her husband, struggling to make ends meet, trying to make her music career happen. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with that? Who, who would ever do such a thing? Do such a thing. You know, struggling, struggling to make ends meet, living in an apartment <laughs> with blue hair, and yeah, just terrible. Checking all the boxes. Just, no, um, but you know, just trying, trying to get her break, and she managed to get her break in the form of TikTok. So she started falling in love with this platform, and she started making songs for it, and she she started to get a little bit of pub. Because she was doing these things on this platform where she would do a cover of a song from the perspective of, like, one of the characters in the song providing, like, their perspective on the story. Oh. So she's done. I mm. think this is, this might be ringing a bell. I forget who it. You've probably seen these without knowing who it was, okay? Yeah. She did. Party in the USA from the perspective of the Uber driver that picks up Miley Cyrus at the airport. Stacy's mom from the perspective yes. of Stacy's mom, which I think oh. was her biggest hit, where she's like singing like you know why is your Stacy why is your boyfriend uh, <laughs> always yes. hanging out and around then, my room and then and he's stuff. like right behind her and then exactly. it kind of becomes a jump scare at the end. Yes, 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 that uh, is incredible. We have someone like you from the perspective of Adele's ex, 
And uh, the one that she just did recently is hilarious. She did a driver's license from the perspective of somebody stuck behind Olivia Rodrigo in traffic. <laughs> um, and so these are hilarious videos because in addition to being a great songwriter and a great singer, she's got a wicked good sense of humor. She's genuinely really funny, and all these videos are a hit. But anyway, because she was getting traction on this platform, because people were falling in love with these songs, people started kind of making their way towards her original music, too. And, you know, she has this song that's out now called Ring Pop that has started to get a little bit of play. And long story short, she has a deal with Atlantic Records now that she was able to get solely from uh, what she was able to do with TikTok and, you know, now she's got a, a career going and she did this whole thing. She's like, now I can, you know, now I, now I have a future. Now uh, my husband and I are going to be okay. And we owe it all to got TikTok. got a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we owe it all to the TikTok platform. And I think the lesson from Jax's story, in addition to it being just a really heartwarming one, I mean, you know, somebody who goes from beating cancer to, you know, getting her big break is always awesome. But what I like most about her story is sort of, what TikTok can present to a artist as an opportunity where before TikTok came around, the one of the things that I think was probably Jax's greatest asset, which was her sense of humor, she didn't really have a forum to let that shine through, right? It's, it's hard for other forums for a musician to show how funny they are. TikTok's really good with that. And so, you know, if you, if you are a similar kind of musician that has that sense of humor or has some kind of unique characteristic you know, these small, short, algorithmic-driven videos of TikTok are a great way to let that shine through. Secondly, I think the great lesson that all artists can learn from Jax's example on TikTok is you can't, if you're going to be a musician on TikTok, you can't just put your music out there and hope for the best because there's millions of musicians out there trying to do stuff on TikTok. You need a hook. You need a niche. You need something that makes people remember your videos, even with, as Elisa mentioned, even if they don't remember who you are, they remember your videos. Mm -hmm. And she became known as the person who made these videos where she's covering a song from the perspective of another character in this song and rode that all the way to a record deal. So what you want to ask yourself as an artist, if you're going into the TikTok game, what's your niche? What are you going to do that makes yourself distinctive so that you can have the kind of success that Jax is having, which just puts a smile on my face to see any indie artist do cool stuff. What, what's interesting is I, I lit, like, like literally real talk in front of me. I have a post-it note that, that has content fillers. <laughs> you good, Jace? Yeah, which, no. <laughs> um, Not we have, at all. Um, a thing called content pillars, and it's basically by platform um, what kinds of content ideas I could potentially do, but also generally like based on what, my particular vibe is so like my bio on tiktok is musician and internet silly person <laughs> um and and that's kind of like an all in, trying to do like an all-encompassing you know elevator pitch but it's based on the pillar of musician and internet silly person what does that mean on tiktok versus twitch versus youtube versus you know the actual music that you produce so i think it's it's kind of cool and a, a really cool example of somebody that kind of found a niche kind of found a hook and then um and then and then filled it yeah. <laughs> just find your niche and fill it and, and and i would say that the traditional music industry model that you know was probably what Jax was walking into you know when she was on american idol a few years ago 
didn't play to her strengths in that respect. There wasn't, like, especially because American Idol was such a machine, right? Like, everybody's sort of a carbon copy cutout, and nobody gets to really sort of show any personality on that show other than just artists trying to get a record that deal. That white guy with a guitar is totally different than ah. the other <laughs> ten, like, Guys with I love how playing guitar is a gimmick now. Yeah. Oh my. On an idol, it I was mean, like, oh, that's the guitar player. Yeah. That's <laughs> deep. Or, or the one character on every season that only used one name instead of their first name and last name. Ooh. He always had the one there. Um, here's my fear with Jax, though. Like, it's a heartwarming story, but I'm a little worried that the record label machine is going to ruin this perfectly good time because history has shown us that. Major labels are terrible at doing at, at making something happen with these kind of gimmicky viral artists. I think of a group like Carmen, for example. That's exactly oh who my I was going to bring up. Because her stuff comes up on my feed all the time. Her solo work, yeah, on on TikTok. Right, it's, it's a wild story. Yeah. So Carmen, for to catch people up. So this was a, 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 a fiance, fiance, now husband wife duo that had this that got their pub on youtube this would have been like 10 years ago good lord um where she where they would uh it was like this skinny white girl and this like skinny white guy and they would do just like and, and then the skinny white girl would just blast like the sickest rhymes like she would do look at me now but it would just do it like perfect and it was cool and poppy and fun and because it was like a skinny white girl doing lil wayne it's gonna go nuts on youtube and so it caught and, and, and they were getting tons of views like they were poised to sort of really explode and kind of figure out how to do something cool with that as an independent artist. And instead, a record label got a hold of them. They put out a traditional album. They tried to promote them like a traditional artist. They weren't making YouTube videos anymore. And then pfft, that was the end of Carmen. I mean, you know, JC's like looking over there, doesn't even remember who they are. So that gives you an idea of what happened there. <laughs> and there's more recent examples of this in the TikTok era. So do you guys remember um, Stun a Girl? She was uh, TikTok famous. She had a song called Runway. She, but like she had this, like she had a lot of TikTok fame, right? Where like a lot of people were using her video and she became, and she went viral on the platform and then people start and then a record label got a hold of her, took her off of TikTok. It took them a year to like get the actual single version of the song out. And by then, everybody had forgotten about it because they're like, oh, that song we used to like hang out with on TikTok a year ago? Yeah, we don't care anymore. So labels are bad at promoting these viral artists, and that's why I'm worried about this. <laughs> comedy is, is it, comedy music is really hard to do, especially without the visual component. That's mm -hmm. why TikTok and Instagram are so good for that stuff. Yeah. That's why I miss Vine. Yeah. You know what I mean? I <laughs> was literally seeing a, a, a tweet from somebody, you know, that just had like screenshots of a bunch of like television comedians, like late night hosts, just all together, and was like, why are stand up comedians so bad at? Twitter um, or, or why are funny, you know, usually like television funny people like so bad at Twitter and it's like they're not writers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah. because they're not writers, which is why like TV writers tend to do really well on Twitter because they're literally writing just with a condensed medium. So mm -hmm. as a musician, maybe don't necessarily rely on Twitter and you've been if you've been avoiding TikTok, maybe that might actually be the place where you blossom because you can take advantage of the audio visual component of it. That Unless you're Eve Six guy. Eve Six guy is very good That's at Twitter. That's true. Oh, Eve, Eve Six, Six guy, guy is, is the king of Twitter Collins. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's like it's funny, it's self-deprecating, it's great. Okay. Um, we 
I want to make sure we have time uh, for uh, for for uh, Chris Aaron after the commercial break, but I do want to play a game with you guys. Okay. Oh, God. Oh. The Golden Globe nominations were announced recently, oh. and. I was sort of dreading this because Golden Globes means that it's award season. The Oscar nomination is going to be announced and we're supposed to crown the best movie in a, you know, in a pan's labyrinth to continue the, you know, <laughs> in a panorama, in a panorama where, you know, no, nobody can get out to movies and nobody and, you know, all the movie studios were are pushing back their releases till 20, 2021 and 2022 because they don't want to be stuck you know, not being able to show their movie in a theater when no one's going to the movies. So when I read the Golden Globes nominees, I didn't recognize any of the damn movies. Oh, no. <laughs> and and so I had a great idea for a game because I think that you guys probably won't recognize a lot of these movies either. And I also think that because I'm talking to a bunch of millennials here, you probably also aren't going to be familiar with a lot of the album titles of Gen Z artists. Uh, which allows oh, us to no. now play this game, 2021 Golden Globe nominee or Gen Z album. Album title. They don't make albums anymore, man. <laughs> I also wouldn't have been good at this in 2019. So. <laughs> or 20, 2005. I'm bad at these. I mean, yeah. yeah very simple game, gang. Um, I know you're going to do just great. Well, simple concept. We're going to run through these uh, titles. You tell me if it's a Golden Globe nominee or a Gen Z album. I will call on people in different order to, to, so that you know people don't always have the same person doesn't always go first at the same time. We got 10 of these. Most points wins. Make sense? No. Yeah, is this song one of them? That's a, this is a, <laughs> this is a sensual game Free show. YouTube music. It's got to be a jam, right? So, number one, we'll... Uh, Oh. Is Pedals for oh. Armor. We'll start with you, Evan. Is it a Golden Globe nominee or a Gen Z album? Pedals for Armor. That is Haley Williams. So. <laughs> well, give you, you know you can't completely give it away. Oh. Then it's it's totally a, an indie artist. <laughs> Definitely not indie. <laughs> all right. I assume we're all going to get that one right. <laughs> it is a 2020 <laughs> Haley Williams album with tracks such as Watch, Watch Me While I Bloom. It's a great record. It is a great record. All right. Next one. Plastic Hearts. We'll start with Elisa. I am going to go with Gen Z album title. Can I give you the artist? Can I can I do a guess? No. Because if you're right, then it's going to give it away to the other two. JC. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Z album title. Evan. I think I'm going to go with what Elisa was about. Ah! I'm bad at this. Plastic Hearts is a 2020 Miley Cyrus album. That's good. With the title track and songs like Angels Like You. So far, you guys are doing pretty well. Better than I would have expected. On the Rocks is the next one. On the Rocks. We'll start with JC. Yeah. um, Movie title? Uh, Evan. I'm going to go with really bad movie title. Really bad movie title, Elisa. Like I feel like you want me to go movie title, but I'm all but but I'm gonna be contrarian and go Gen Z. On the Rocks is a 20, 21 Golden Globe nominee featuring Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. An Apple original film. Oh, you know, but, oh that's, that's starting the streaming service over everybody's is the next title. Starting over. 
guess it's my turn. This is uh, a bad movie. Bad movie. Uh, Elisa. <laughs> I'll go movie. JC. Uh, that, that, is, that is a Golden Globe moment. So we're all going with movie. Starting over is a 2020 Chris Stapleton oh. album. Oh, I should have known Featuring such tracks as Devil, Always Made Me Think Twice, and Watch You Burn. It's supposed to be a pretty good one. All right, Elisa, you're going to start with the next one, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. <laughs> I'm going to go with a nominee. So a Golden Globe nominee, JC. That is 100% a Golden Globe. And Evan. I'm clearly going to agree with the other two people that are very confident. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom <laughs> is a 2021 Golden Globe nominee starring Chad Davis. 4-1 awesome out. Chadwick with the record four nominees. So, so Evan, I think Evan's got four, Elisa's got three, JC's got four, if I calculated that right. Map of the Soul is our next choice. JC, start us off. Definitely an album title. I would have come up with a middle school album title. <laughs> album title. Elisa. Album title. We're all going with album title. Map of the Soul is a 2021 or 2020 BTS album. Middle school. <laughs> All right, just four more. Hang in there, guys. The Nomadland. Evan, Nomadland. Nomadland is a movie. Elisa. Movie. I'm going to contrarian and say, like, album title. It would be a good album title, but it is actually a 2021 Golden Globe nominee starring Francis McDormand. Three to go. Evan is winning. Evan is That's winning. Right. I told you. What is this game? Punisher. <laughs> Elisa. Album title. JC. Album title. Evan. They're not doing a new Punisher movie. In yeah, yeah. That's an album title. It is a 2020 Phoebe Bridgers album. And by the way, anybody Please. who is coming after Phoebe Bridgers for smashing a guitar and has not, like, come after any male artist for the same thing, you suck. Speak on it. Thank you. I've come after plenty of male artists for that. Please donate your guitars before you smash them. <laughs> there are kids that need guitars. There's two to go, and Evan's still in the lead. The guy who right. never wins our games is in the lead, people. It's not entirely true. Not <laughs> the father. The game one. The father, JC. Album title. JC's going album title. Evan. Album title. Elisa. Golden Globe nominee. The father is a Golden Globe nominee starring Anthony Hopkins. Okay, so this is where it gets exciting. I feel like the music's this getting is, louder. This is, this is like royalty-free <laughs> crumbin. It is. So we're gonna, there's only one left. So JC, you're actually yeah, you actually have the out. fewest number of points, and yeah. Evan and Elisa are all that remain. So we're gonna mm. let the, the the two of you take on this are last one for all the marbles. If you tied? pick the same one, you're ruining the game. So you've met me before. You know how this is gonna go. <laughs> the final one is French Exit. Oh, come on. French be, Exit. Evan, we'll a, let you go first. That's a wild foreign film that nobody saw, but it's going to win all the awards. Let's do this. Then that means I think it's an album title. You're a very good sport, Elisa. Here we go. French Exit for all the marbles is 
a 2021 Golden Globe nominee starring Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. And some guy named Lucas Hedges. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, no, that was actually the exact same thing I felt (laughs) when I saw that. I was like, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, all right. All right. Fantastic. That woman is still getting work. Good for you, Michelle. All right, so Evan, congratulations, my man. I told you I was going to win. Yeah. You delivered. Fully rigged. All right. We are going to take a very quick break, and then we'll be back with Chris Aaron here on Break the Business. Thank you all so much for listening. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. So, so excited uh, to introduce our next guest. This is Chris Arend, the CEO of the Mechanical Licensing Collective. So those digital audio services. And so- we are joined now by the Chief Executive Officer of the Mechanical Licensing Collective. The MLC is a nonprofit organization that administers blanket mechanical licenses for streaming and download services. The MLC went active on January of this year, and songwriters who administer their own publishing need to sign up to avoid missing out on some royalties for streams and downloads. You can find out more about our guest's work and how to sign up for the MLC by visiting www.themlc.com. We are happy to welcome Chris Aaron on to break the business. Hi, Chris. Hey, Ryan. Oh, great to have you here. This is such an important conversation. I really appreciate, Chris, that you're making the rounds on programs like these to spread the really important message about the MLC. And we're going to get right into it and explain to the listeners and the viewers what's going on here. So the Mechanical Licensing Collective, this is a nonprofit organization. It was designated by the U.S. Copyright Office under the Music Modernization Act, new law that was passed a couple years ago, to administer songwriter royalties for streaming and download services. Now, that's pretty confusing how I had to set all that up. So I'm hoping that you can sort of clarify for the viewers what the Music Modernization Act did that is changing the day-to-day way that songwriter royalties are going to get paid on platforms like Spotify and iTunes and Pandora and things like that. 
Sure. Um, I think there are three key things um, that we can share. One, the MMA created a brand new blanket license available to those digital audio services. And so what that means is that now they can get that one blanket license and be covered for any musical work that they use on their service, regardless of where it originated. One of the problems in the past was that they had to license those works on a work-by-work basis. And that became really difficult for them to do when they were offering now, you know, the largest services, upwards of 70 million sound recordings and tens of millions of unique works. So the new blanket license will ensure that they are properly licensed. The second uh, thing the MME uh, did is it authorized the creation of a new organization, which is now the MLC, to administer that license. So for your listeners, a good way to think about us is we're a clearinghouse. All of the information that those digital services have to provide alongside their royalty payments will come to the MLC, and then we'll put it all together and distribute royalties for all of those services to our members. So we'll become a one-stop shop for mechanicals, whereas in the past, folks had to get their mechanicals from multiple places, um, and that made it more complicated. It warrants taking a step back here for the uninitiated. Can you explain to the viewers what mechanicals are? Sure. Um, It's a fun term because it dates back to the 1909 Copyright Act um, when the primary way that people listened to music was through things like player pianos. And, um, And the mechanical license referred to the license you needed to mechanically reproduce that song on the player piano rolls that were run through those player pianos. Um, But today that mechanical license covers the reproduction or the copying of a song, which happens when you make that digital file on a service and then the distribution of it, either by making it available as a stream or via a download where you actually download the file to your computer. So the mechanical license covers those two important rights that copyright holders, in this case songwriters, have when they write a song. So taking us from the original 1909 Copyright Act, all the way into the 21st century and the 2018 Music Modernization Act, what the MMA was trying to do was sort of make the mechanical licensing process on streaming services easier both for the songwriter as well as the streaming service, right? So the songwriter has an efficient mechanism to make sure that they get the mechanical royalties that they're due whenever their songs are played on streaming services. And for the streaming services and the downloading services, it provides them with a one-stop shop to make sure that they know exactly how to direct those payments to the songwriters. But now that this uh, organization's been created, a lot of songwriters have some homework to do to make sure that they're not missing out on these royalties, right? Can you talk a little bit about the situation that self-administered songwriters are in right now? So these are songwriters that don't have publishing companies and don't have some company that's administering their publishing, like many independent songwriters are in that situation, they have a homework assignment right now. Can you talk a bit about what they need to do? Uh, yeah, um, and, I, and I will just say that, that that group was one group in particular that I think the law had in mind, because um, we certainly believe that there are many songwriters who have not ever collected a mechanical royalty, um, even though their songs are available on these digital services. So. For those folks, um, this is an opportunity for the first time to connect with that revenue stream. And as the streaming um, business in particular grows um, each year, that's an increasingly um, uh, larger revenue stream. Uh, Quite simply, the way that they connect with it is by becoming a member of the MLC. So if you self-administer the rights in the songs that you've written, or you act as your own publisher, 
you are eligible to become a member of the MLC, just like any other organization that administers those rights on behalf of other songwriters. And you can do that by going to our website. And on the top right of the website, you'll see three buttons. There's a blue one in the middle that says connect to collect. And if you click the connect to collect button, that will take you to the screen where you can sign up and become a member of the MLC. Very cool. Now I'm going to walk you through a couple, let's call them hypothetical songwriters. And you can tell me whether they have to do anything. Let's say we have an independent songwriter who doesn't have a publishing company, but is administ- does have their publishing administered by a publishing administrator like SongTrust that, uh, that is handling their publishing. Do they need to do anything with the MLC? <clears throat> so I always want to be clear that the question needs to be answered for each work. But mm-hmm. if that songwriter has signed up with SongTrust, a great administrator in the market, and all of their works are being administered by SongTrust, then the answer is no. They're already set. They're all set. And SongTrust has them covered. Um, one of the executives at SongTrust is on one of our advisory committees. They are already a member. So um, you should be covered. That's awesome. Okay. New hypothetical. I don't have SongTrust. I'm a songwriter. I don't have SongTrust. But I got this thing called BMI that collects a lot of royalties for me, a performance rights organization. Am I, do I need to sign up for the MLC if that's all I have? Is, is BMI going to take care of this for me? You do need to sign up with the MLC. BMI cannot take uh, care of this for you. And that's where, again, the, the situation um, involving rights in the music business, and in particular on the songwriting side, gets comple- uh, complex, complicated very quickly. Um, the performance right is the right that is administered by those performing rights organizations like BMI and ASCAP. CSAC and GMR. Those are the four largest in the U.S., but there are a few others. And those rights are different from the mechanical rights that are covered by the new blanket license the MMA created. So the way that a songwriter should think about that is those are two separate revenue streams. Services um, that need a performance license have to pay performance royalties, and services that need a mechanical license need to pay mechanical royalties. So as a songwriter, you want to make sure you're getting paid both. And again, the MLC is the exclusive administrator of the mechanical royalties that are paid by these services pursuant to the blanket license. We're the only organization that can collect them and the only organization that can distribute them. So if you're a member of BMI, you're you're all set for your performance royalties, but you will still need to join the MLC if you're self-administered to collect your mechanical royalties. And we want you to get both. We don't want you to leave that money behind and neither do the PROs because they, they also want you to get all the money that you're entitled to. Okay. There are, so there are two different revenue types of royalties, two revenue streams that go to songwriters when a songwriter song is played on say Spotify or Pandora or one of these platforms. And it's the performance royalties, which are collected. If I have BMI or ASCAP, those are collected, but this other royalty, these mechanical royalties that is not collected by BMI and so if you don't have your publishing administered either through a publishing company or an administrator like SongTrust, you need to sign up with the MLC directly to make sure that you get the royalties to which you're entitled there. That's Am I having correct. that about right? That's correct. All right. Let's, so let's talk about the consequences now. So if I'm, if, if I'm not signed up with the MLC and I don't have a publishing administrator that has taken care of this for me already, 
I just don't get this money. It gets paid out. And uh, actually, that's a good question. What happens to it? Because the streaming services are paying it, right? So where does the money go? So uh, the money will go to the MLC in the first instance, and we will then be trying really hard to find you (laughs) and get you connected with us so we can give you that money. And that is a really important part of the MLC's mission. We are supposed to help find people who are entitled to receive those mechanicals, but have not been getting them for whatever reason. Um, At some point in the future, and this is years from now, um, the law envisions that um, the MLC will distribute those monies that we can't connect with the right people um, on a pro rata basis to all the folks we were able to pay. Mm. And, And the reason for that is that the law didn't want to create this fund for the MLC that they would sit on forever and not ultimately get to creators. It didn't want the MLC to have the discretion to use that for other purposes, like to invest in, in infrastructure or, or even to you know, spend on educational campaigns that it thought might be helpful. Because what Congress recognized was that that money ultimately belongs to creators. And so if it can't ultimately get to the right creator, better that it gets to some creator um, or rights holder collecting those monies than to sit with us as a company. So um, again, uh, it's your money and there'll be a period of years where we'll be trying to find you. um, And eventually if we're not able to do that and we exhaust our efforts, then those monies will get distributed to other self-administered songwriters, publishers and administrators to then distribute. So listeners, viewers, Chris Aaron of the MLC, he's gonna try to find you. He's gonna look under every rock to make sure that you're getting the mechanical royalties that you are entitled to and is indeed your money as our guest noted there. But how about you make his life a little easier (laughs) by signing up for the MLC. You go to uh, www.themlc.com. Super easy to get signed up. There's a big button right on the front of the webpage. They they have made this comically easy for you to get done, and we certainly appreciate that. Our guest has been Chris Aaron, the CEO of the Music Licensing, uh, Mechanical Licensing Collective. This has been awesome, super informative. I love that we're helping put money in creators' pockets, Chris. Before we let you go, one last question. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Uh, yeah, I would say um, look into all of this and get educated. Um, you may not be making a ton of money today, but you might make a lot more money tomorrow. And it's much better to be educated and prepared for that moment on the front end than after the fact when you're that, then chasing money and potentially not getting it. Um, and in that way, you know, everything that the MLC does is really based on this premise that we're now creating a system that, that can work for every single rights holder, provided they play their part. So again, I'm gonna work really hard to try to find you, but it will always be easier for you to find us and let us know which songs you've written so that we can connect to you and get you the money you deserve. So if you would lean in and help us, we will do everything we can to, to help you and together we'll make it work. And uh, in that way, you know, we can define success one member at a time. If I get each of you your money, you're happy, we've done our job. And we just keep doing that over and over again for as many people as we can for as long as we operate. I love it. Chris, thank you so much for being on this week. Ryan, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. That is Chris Aaron, everybody, the CEO of the Mechanical Licensing Collective. You can find out more about his work and about getting yourself signed up by going to www.themlc.com. 
And there might Chris be Aaron some. Going to find you. Yeah, they will. They're they're on the hunt. Find you. They're coming to so, get run, you. Run and tell that, and give you money that um, you probably already have earned. Well, it's like so. I I have a mechanical license, and I need cash now. <laughs> Call Chris um, Aaron. TheMLC.com. So we are we are big multitaskers. We um we started signing up. Yeah, I, I signed like, up during that interview. During the interview. You did really. Yes. Yeah. Right, well, I'm, I'm actually stuck on the, um, because, of course, I was trying to multitask. I was stuck on the, like, who am I actually um, if we're distributing our stuff through, like, a distro kid? Yeah. Are we are we partially self-administrated mm-hmm. songwriters, or am I songwriters well, dist- exclusively administered by third parties? All, all great questions. Okay. Put a pin in that for just a second. A commenter writes in. Uh, Lauren, you can pull that one back up again. Oh. Uh, I hate to have a comment go up on the screen and we don't address it. Uh, <laughs> now that you're bringing in remote co-hosts, are you also considering adding Dave back to break the business? Low-key missing Canada Town or Hoser Talk. Everybody loves that game except for me, but I do love Dave, and I love the fact that everybody else loves how that game tortures me. Of course, like the, the moment like Dave is like available, like I, of course I want him on the show. He's the best. We love. We all love Dave. He's like the OG, man. He was there since episode one making this happen for us. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Lars Ulrich's thing. Heal, heal, heal. <laughs> I love Dave. I heel. love how wrong Dave is on Lars. Oh, wow. Heal. <laughs> yes, heel. we're going to bring you and him together <laughs> so you two can argue about uh, Lars so can, Ulrich and Metallica some more. It's not an argument when he's consistently wrong. It's fine. <laughs> All right. You guys were asking about to what extent being on DistroKid matters in terms Mm -hmm. of your mechanical royalties. Yes. Unless you have a specific songwriter arrangement through DistroKid, which I do not believe is a service they offer, uh, you're not going to be signed up with a mechanical licensing collective because DistroKid is managing your sound recording distribution. The mechanical licensing collective is making sure you're getting some of your songwriter royalties. Uh, Here's another way to think about it, okay? Because some of you might wonder, I don't know if my publishing is being administered by a publishing company or by Song Trust or by nobody. Here's a great way to find out. Go to themlc.com, type in your song, and if you don't see your name underneath that song, that means they don't have your info. And you might have a situation where you've co-written a song, and they have your co-writer. I've because, co-written a lot of songs. It's right, <laughs> like so, literally us. Right. They might have your co-writer because your co-writer signed up the song with Song Trust and their publishing company, but you're not signed up. Literally doing this right now. <laughs> the co-writers are currently racing each other. <laughs> no, I've, 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 I have a handful That's of true, co-writers on other people's stuff. Yeah, you have you a lot of those. Look at you. It's so easy. You can do it from your phone. I'm going to lose Evan for the rest of the show now because he's just going to check and see if he if he has some mechanical money under a rock. All right, so that we don't have to spend the rest of the show just staring at Evan typing his phone, let's let's move on. Uh, Elisa, you have been just going on about how excited you are about the Hall of Fame nominations. Talk to so excited. Well, Rock excited is a fame, word. I say. Sorry. Excited is a word. I am excitable. <laughs> Accurate. Excited is a word. So the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, Foundation announced the nominees for 2021 induction. Um, and they are as follows. Mary J. Blige, Kate Bush, Devo, Foo Fighters. I'm wearing the T-shirt for all of those listening on the pod. Uh, The Go-Go's Iron Maiden. Jay-Z appears for the first time. Uh, Shaka Khan Solo. I believe she's already in with Rufus. I'm wearing the T-shirt. She's wearing the T-shirt. 
Um, Carol King apparently might also be a first ballot. JC, you are wearing the Carol King. I'm t-shirt. wearing the Car- Carol King t-shirt. <laughs> Fela Kuti, LL Cool J. The ladies do love Cool James. I'm wearing LL uh, so Cool J underwear right now. So yes, uh, the New York Dolls, Rage Against the Machine, Todd Rundgren. Nobody else make that joke. It's run its course. <laughs> Todd Rundgren, Tina Turner, and Dionne Warwick because. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. I did, some some of these I'm kind of like, really? They're not. <laughs> Can I go first? Because I only but, have one thing to say. I mean, about. induct every last one of them. But Evan, sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> okay, so my favorite part, my favorite part about this time of year when they announce this, is this a bunch of like old rock and roll guys go like, mm. "Who the hell is this person? Don't play the rock music, and I dare to God, I don't know who's doing this. I don't know who these people are, but it's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Famous for rock and roll." And I laugh at that guy every year. It's like it's so much bigger than whatever genre you think rock and roll is supposed to be. Right. And that's the stance I always take every year until I saw this list and said, wait, Maiden, though? Maiden's not in the rock and roll Maiden, of, yeah. of all bands. So that's my only take on this is why, why Maiden? Okay, why now first Maiden? of all, we need to make old, crusty Rock and Roll Hall of Fame voter that Evan does a recurring character on this <laughs> yes, program. Yes, please. Thank you. You can just grab he's that calling in next He week. doesn't say anything else. That's the only thing he says. But it's, it's, smashing a guitar. It's, it's just wonderful. I mean, I mean, can we ask, uh, what does what does a crusty Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Ooh. voter think of Phoebe Bridgers smashing a guitar? Is he okay with it or no? It's rock and roll, but girls shouldn't play the guitar. Oh, yeah, that sounds, that, yeah, there that, it is. that tracks. That's probably what he would say for that. What does he think about American Idol? I don't watch that hippie bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the explicit tag. Evan Evan actually brings up what I think is the biggest flaw with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame process. If you're wondering why so many of these, like, really awesome, more modern artists aren't getting in, like, why Mariah Carey is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though she has 200 million records sold and 19 number one singles, or why Iron Maiden is not in, despite being one of the architects of modern rock music, but, like... Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers are in rock in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though they have like one song that we kind of know about from a Vivica A. Fox movie. <laughs> it's because y'all y'all Damn. know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, but still. Um, the reason why is because Damn. the uh, the Hall of Fame voters skew older. You know, they skew male, they skew non-minority, and the <laughs> votes reflect that. And you know. Even And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has tried to do some things to address this. Like, they made a big deal out of uh, making Questlove a Hall of Fame voter. And Questlove's cool. And like, But, like, Questlove's 50? <laughs> so, like, even he's not really kind of... Like, maybe you need some voters in, like, their 30s, 40s, 20s? Well, yeah, it should be a pretty wide, you yeah. know, net. Well, like, I don't know. It should be representative I'm, I'm of the music community. I'm kind of yeah. curious. Like, why would the same folks that vote for the... Grammys not be the same folks that vote for the hall. Like, um, yeah, why, why not, not do it like either. sports? They're, they're two different companies. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like Grammy voters well, or, skew or, older or do it and like, like and sports. Or do it's it like a, sports where it's like all sorts of journalists and, you know, have, have those folks be the voters. Who knows? If it were more than something than just a, a cultural thing, I don't, they're not handing out like these crazy awards. It's just, I mean, you, it is an honor. Uh, and so we get to probably put some, you know, really awesome things on people that we may not have heard about uh, for a really long time. Like, 
Dion Warwick, uh, and and also get upset that you know people that are near and dear to us like the Foo Fighters aren't already there. That's the thing. As much as I you love know? the Foo Fighters, like, like there's, they just put out an album like a yeah, week ago. Yeah, like, that's but just, like they're legendary rock band, but they don't. They've got time left. Don't worry about them. But I mean, does the Hall of Fame mean that you know we're sending you off to pasture and <laughs> yeah. that you're never doing anything ever again? Are you penalizing <laughs> the Foo Fighters because they're still awesome? Like you have yeah. to, you have to I'm stop saying, being awesome to get into the Rock and Roll I Hall mean, of Fame. I, I don't know how you... I feel about that last record, but still. <laughs> oh. Well, but also, like, my thing is, would you want to go chronological? And, like, I, I don't see a universe where, like, it feels weird to me for Jay-Z to get in before LL Cool J. For me. Uh, on just a yeah, pure yeah. chronological, like, Yeah, but you can't go chronological care. because Todd Rudgren, Tina Turner, New York Dolls, all these other people are older than Well, that, let, let them all in. It's a it's a... I mean, like, like Carol King is kind of like messing me up in the, in the sort of like Carol King. Why not already? Like, I don't like, get that one. Like yeah. responsible for so much of the Great American Songbook, especially because James Taylor has already been there for a few years. Yeah. Like, mm, escándalo. Elisa, I, I want to walk with you down a path here because I feel like I'm going to have a, a fellow kindred spirit on this. There is oh, one boy. name for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that is not kicked around that much. But is somebody I know you like has been releasing music for 40 years. So this is somebody who, you know, meets the longevity requirement. <laughs> we can all agree, you know, has has, you know, lots of sales, uh, has Grammy Awards and is influential, perhaps the most influential person in their genre. And you're nodding. I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm, I've been saying the same thing. Tia Carrera deserves to be in there for thank Crucial you. Time. And she's thank not, you. And I don't understand it. Thank Just, you. Justice for Crucial maybe, Time. Maybe Tia Carrera, but not Crucial Time yet. Oh, you know. True. Stacks of Grammys. Exactly. Oh, All Hawaiian Grammys. I actually just saw uh, Wayne's World have the other Grammys. day in a, in a drive-in theater because I'm so desperate to like for the outside world that I spent like $42 to watch a movie and drive-in that I could have watched on Netflix for free. But Those aren't free? I watched, I watched that movie again, Wayne's World. Crucial Taunt didn't really deserve that record deal at the end. They're basically Damn. a cover band, and we all they just have to admit yeah. it. Them. They had like yeah, one original, and then it was true. Ballroom They're Blitz. Big, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. No, but that wasn't an original. Like they, that was their big pitch at the end of the movie is to play a cover tune. Yeah, like that's the movie you're gonna re- to impress the record executive with a cover song that you rush the vocals on all the time. Wow. Okay. No, Sorry. I wasn't going to say Tia Carrera. The person that I think <laughs> we should be talking about for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Weird Al Yankovic. Yes, thank you. Weird Al that Yankovic. Was exactly. Mm. Who I thought that is exactly who I thought. Why not? Mm-mm-mm. Sales. A, a constant thread that through entire decades, MTV, post-MTV. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's use the Evan Lamb exception. He's still putting out records, ah. therefore ineligible. My, my only thing against the Foo Fighters is I'm not, I'm not going to go to bat for them because they're still so relevant. I'm still going on about the Foo Fighters. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being attacked for this. I'm just saying there's plenty of other names on this list. I don't need to fight for the Foo Fighters Pat to get Benatar on Pat Benatar isn't on this Pat list, Benatar and she still isn't in the hall. The Pixies. Like, I'm like, cool in the Gang. Barry White. Joy Division. There, there is a there's a list um, that, that I saw in the conversation, like, notinthehalloffame.com. 
that has oh. just this sort of like all fan list of folks. They they rank it on here, I guess, based on their own opinions about who deserves to get in. But if this is accurate and like Willie Nelson and like Dick Dale haven't even made it in, or like John Coltrane, or what, or like Joy Division, or yeah, King Joy Division's Crimson, still not in. That one's like, surprising. The monkeys. Motor, that's, motor okay, that's messed up. Well, really? That's a, that's a long list. It's a much longer list of people that aren't in it than are in it. Yeah, but there's there's some names that are kind of like uh, y'all are kind of messing up right now. It, it kind of makes me wonder if if the eligibility is the artist or band must have released its first commercial recording at least 25 years prior to the year of nomination. Then ha- then what what else is the other criteria? Because I am so confuzzled. And that's where like I I think it should be relegated to a cultural institution it's not really a thing that we can hang a whole lot of like oh everyone needs to be in here because i again we get to this point every year where we're like these people should have been nominated and they weren't so we're upset and now we get to think about the rock and roll hall of fame for another year (laughs) before we close out this segment evan can we hear what crusty hall of fame voter thinks of (laughs) weird al yankovic in the rock and roll hall of fame I like Weird Al. No, great. I like no! I like that Benjamin song. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, you got- you two are also pretty fly for a white guy. Good job. <laughs> some, some great yeah. guests coming up in uh, subsequent shows here. Next week we got Eric Smith, the CEO of RLX. So if you're looking for ways to sound treat your room, Evan. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Did he this send? Is, is he going to send free samples? Person, Evan. Mm. I need I need some free samples. Can we be RLX influencers? I'm get like we'll we'll have him on live next week. I'm if you want to waste a question begging him to send you free stuff, I'll allow it, and we'll all That's get to watch that. In two weeks, we'll have Dave Herrera. He's a country artist and a real estate expert who has helped create commercial music venues. And I know that's a big passion for you, Evan. So a couple yeah. guests I think you're going to be excited about, sir. I guess I'll have to be here. <laughs> that's that's how we make sure you show up. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Follow the podcast at The BTB Podcast. Follow JC at J Sizzle, J-C-I-Z-L-E. Uh, follow Evan at Evan Lamb Guitar and Alisa at Alisa Rock Doc. Anything else we want to promote for the cause or are we out of here? Um, Rebecca Black, 10-year anniversary, Friday single remix featuring Dorian Electra, Big Frida, Wait, and what? 303 drop today. Wait, what? <laughs> The Rebecca Black Redemption arc is here, and I am so here for it. I've worked with Dorian Electra like three times, and she is incredible. She's I'm one of the so most, ready. She's one of the most professional people I've ever worked with uh, in my time. I'm so ready for the 2021 Rebecca Black era. Yes. Yes. We're here. I, I like this. I think 2021, we're going to get Rebecca Black back. I think Britney Spears is going to get her redemption arc because everybody's back on her side again yes. from this documentary coming out. A lot of things to be excited about. Let's all go listen to that Rebecca Black song right now, and we'll see you all next week on Break the Business. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.